Hey, everybody. How are we this morning? Good, good, good. Welcome to week two of a series we're calling Faith Dance. Uh, true story, my family was all on a cruise one time, uh, all pre-kids. Uh, my parents paid for it. It was an awesome trip. Got to love those cruises. But So we all have our new married couples, my two siblings, uh, my three siblings. I have a stepbrother in there as well. Uh, and all our wives, we're on a dance cruise. We're on a cruise and we go out on the dance floor. The Murphy family all at once. There must have been 100 people out there. And in 30 seconds, the floor emptied. That's not because we were good. It's because they were like, this is dangerous, okay? Uh, if you've ever seen the movie, I, I forget the name. Some of my shout it, not shout it out, but the movie with Will Smith, kind of like the love doctor, helping Kevin James hitch, all right? So I don't dance like Will Smith. I dance like Kevin James, like where they're like, stay right here, right? Don't, don't get outside of this, none of this stuff. Remember the movie? Okay. That's me. Uh, true story. Ed, in that video leading up to this, he wore the wig. Just saying, okay? That was Ed Griffinhagen in that shaking the hair around thing. That was him. With the one with the hips. That was, that was Ed. Okay. All right. So, Faith Dance. How do we get, to, how do we get that name for this, uh, this series? So, this is about a book in the Bible, near the end of the Bible, called James. James is Jesus' brother. Uh, so Mary and Joseph, after they had Jesus, Jesus' uh, immaculate conception, literally after that, Mary and Joseph get married. They actually uh, have, have a baby, make a baby. His name's James. James lives with Jesus. And here's what's crazy. I guarantee you nobody in here has ever felt like your brother was your God, right? Nobody in here. You never said, I'll bow to thee, O great brother, right? James writes a book because he believes his brother's God, right? So that, again, just kind of a cool, amazing proof of the inerrancy of God's Word, the fact that Jesus is God in a bod, uh, just, just, just so cool. So James writes this book, and he pulls from years of, of living with his brother, uh, learning from Old Testament uh, and writes this unbelievably practical book of the Bible. James is known, uh, the book of James is known to be the absolute most practical book of the Bible. Uh, Ed did a masterful job last week weaving through the faith dance of this dance between uh, is it all faith, is it works, uh, how much of kind of both. Uh, we're going to look at potentially, you know, the difficulty between like temptation and trials and difficulties. Today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dance around... Uh, and on a subject that for me is very, very simple when you read it, but it's so complicated and hard in the midst of trying to act this one out. Uh, so I'm going to start this out with like a real simple saying that everyone in here will know if you recognize it as I say it, say it with me. But I'm about to say the most untrue statement that's ever come out of the, this stage of, of this um, church. All right. So here we go. Ready? Say it if you know it. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is stupid. Holy cow. Who came up with that? Some dumb guy trying to act like I'm bruised up for two weeks, but it no matter what anyone says to me. You know, the truth of the matter is words have hurt people for decades. People have carried junk and drug truckloads of baggage of things that they can recall that people have said about them. I, I have, uh, in the same hour in my house, caused people to smile and people to cry. All right? And I'm not lying. And I've told you that story before about making my kids, everybody cry over something. All right? I'm not going to go there this morning. But I mean, we've, we've all used our words to both build up and destroy. And, and, and perhaps some of you today are carrying stuff that when the moment's right, the enemy will tailor make like the perfect, you know, like cast bait to hook you into believing something that's totally junk, it's totally fake, it's totally phony, it's not the truth, but you bite because potentially someone said something a long time ago 
that resurfaces every now and then when you get in a pinch or when you get in a jam or when, when times get so complicated, you fall back on like, I don't have what it takes. I never really, really know if I'm in the right spot. I could just be completely, you know, the wrong person, wrong place, wrong time. I'm an idiot, right? So easy to allow words to hurt us and to mess us up. James talks about this, all right? So let me do this. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you what James talks about, and then I'm going to pull from Scripture where we refer to a lot of other uh, amazing sources of wisdom about the two real major aspects of how we use our mouths. James talks about this in terms of the tongue. So let me read this to you. James chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles, it's near the end of the Bible. Just go to the very end and flip a few chapters back if you're new to Bible study. You'll find James. James chapter 3. We'll start in verse 3. Let me read this to you. Um, He says, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in his mouth. So you see this contrast. Something so small, like our tongue, can change something so dramatically. So small bit in this large horse, small bit can totally move in a direction based off the bit. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong, the rudder can make it turn. In the same way, and here's where he starts to kind of tease out this idea of the power of the tongue. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, let's just pause there for a moment. Isn't the tongue one of the weirdest little parts of the body? Have you just stuck it out at somebody before? Or like grabbed it and tried to talk? It's like, hello, my name is Jeff. Right? The tongue is weird. It's pink. It's wet. It's sticky. Um, it's just an odd piece of the body. Right? It's kind of like something you don't think about. Right? I think about my hand. I think about my arms. I mean, you don't think about the tongue. It's just something that's forgotten about. But James brings it up because it has massive, massive power to jack up stuff or to really, really improve things. So he goes on, he says, in the same way the tongue uh, can make grand speeches or it can cause a force to be set on fire. And among the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness. James like getting serious about this tongue thing. He must have had like a girlfriend that just broke up with him. And he's like, she said she loved me. No, I'm just totally wheeling that one in. I don't know that about James. It's, it, it, it can corrupt the entire body. Uh, it can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. I mean, this is serious words. People can tame all types of animals. Again, speaking into, speaking into like, you know, cultural relevance. I mean, we... Have animals that are used for specific reasons. You have house pets. We tame those pets. They live in your house. You tell them to sit. You tell them to be outside. They do those things. You can tame animals, he says. Birds, reptiles, and fish. But nobody can tame the tongue. He's like trying to say it's huge. It's massive. He's trying to give us a picture of like, this is enormous. It's restless and evil and full of deadly poison. True. Uh, It's very true that uh, out of the mouth can come all sorts of ways we can mess up. Not just ourselves, but others. So, let me do this. Let me, let me build some case here for, uh, to kind of just help us to grasp how big this is. Um, you may already be recalling how, the, how your vocal cords, your mouth, your tongue has hurt someone else or have, have messed you up or has caused your own self like uh, a downward spiral for, for what you've been thinking. Um, but let me just help really build this case. So Proverbs, the book of wisdom, all right? Here's wisdom about the tongue. In verse 21, chapter 18, says the tongue has the power, and here's where I really want to take this today, has the power of two things. Help me with these. It has the power of what? Life and death. Let's say it out loud. The tongue has the power of life and death. One more time, the tongue has power of Life and death. Tongue has power of life. In one single word, what did God do? Created the world. Tongue has power of life. We see that model Jesus of God 
the Father. Let there be life. Boom. There's life. And in the very same way, we can use our tongues for life and we can use our tongues to create death. Um, so here's a thought. Words can be toxic, can't they? They can be toxic. I mean, you've had people that like kind of throw little jabs in. It's like a joke, or, but there's a little bit of truth to it. And, and you, can just, you can just feel like toxicity you know, swelling up in a conversation with somebody. You're like, man, this ain't going where I thought it was going to go. What is this joker trying to say to me right now, right? What, what, what is she trying to communicate to me? Because it feels just feels negative. It feels wrong, right? Words have this power to be toxic. So I looked up the word toxic. Anything containing poisonous material capable of causing serious sickness or even death. That's, a, that's, that's, that's the tongue, right? That's the power of the tongue. Words can cause and bring life, or words, our words can crush and bring death. So that's what James says, others capitalize and explain, there's the power of the word. So let me just relate a little bit. Maybe you have heard words that built you up or tore you down. Maybe you've heard someone say, hey, uh, did you mean to do that with your hair? Guys have never said that to each other, but that's a girl thing. Not slamming the ladies. But I mean, did you, did, did you really mean to do that with your hair? Do I say that right? Trying to try my best, like, oh my gosh, like, totally. Your hair, did you mean to do that? That's, that's, I'm getting good at this now. I need to pause. It's making me nervous. Um, here's one. You're young, maybe single, maybe single again. Now, why aren't you married at your age again? Oh, yeah, that's wonderful. Let me explain that to you right in the mouth, okay? Um, or maybe it's maybe you've heard some words that really crushed, like, I found someone else. Right? Now we're, now we're tiptoeing around in some areas that's like, yeah, that's painful. Or maybe, uh, I never loved you. Well, that's a sting. Maybe a ring. Um, maybe you've heard, maybe a parent, uh, you're such a disappointment. I wish I never had you. Or maybe you've got some siblings that you just like to slap around a little bit because they were like, oh, are you serious? You're so pathetic. You're just so pathetic, right? Oh my gosh, got to get rid of that thought. Um, you're so pathetic, right? Proverbs, again, Solomon. Scripture says, the wisest man to ever live said this. He says in Proverbs 12, 18, reckless words pierce like a sword. Pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So, let's flip the script a little bit, all right? We know tongues are bad. Tongue, bad. No, tongue. Pink thing, stay. Sit. Don't go there, all right? But there's the flip side of the tongue breathing, bringing life, all right? So, you have the tongue that can bring death, or you have the tongue that can build up, help others, heal situations like, you know, solve problems by what comes out of this mouth has the power to help, has the power to hurt. So I'm going to give you three, three little statements of wisdom that we see based off James through different parts of the Bible. First is this, if you've got your notes this morning, hang on to this because, again, you're going to read this and go, oh my gosh, that's not rocket science, but this is the stuff we have to practice or else we hurt ourselves and we hurt others. First is this, words of wisdom. Number one, guard your, your heart against toxic words. We need to all guard our hearts. And it does not mean that you can guard your heart and it completely ever escape words that are going to affect you. I was thinking about this today, like, the military. Y'all are paid to use some words that don't probably aren't always that kind. Like, hey, sweet boy, you're going to do better next time. Let's just pull up yourself by the bootstraps. You can do this. You can get better. You may say that, or you may say, you're an idiot, man. You're going to die. You're better. And, and probably both of them are very good and healthy. Right? So there, there are going to be times that Adversary, obstacles, difficulties, 
are good and helpful to shape you. However, however, Scripture says we should use our words in a way that builds others up. Why? Because our heart has a way of being broken down, bruised up, and causing us to carry some baggage that messes us up years to come. So here's what it says. Proverbs says this. This is Solomon setting up something he wants to tell to his very own child, his son. This is, these are words that are about to come out from a parent to a child. My, my two kids, my, I have three. One was not here, but two were here this morning. And I'm thinking, this is what I would want to tell Ashley. This is what I would, what I would want to tell J.D. This is exactly what I would want them to know and to guard against and for. Here's what Solomon says. He says, my son. Oh, he sets this up. Hey, eye to eye. Let me tell you this, boy. Pay attention to what I'm about to say. Listen closely to my words. Like he's building this up. You got to know this. You got to hear this. Exercise this one. He says, above all else. Forget everything else. But above all that, that I've said, or maybe you've heard from me before, here's what I want you to know. He, maybe he's even saying, even above, you know, the mistakes I've made, the things I've said that hurt, wounded you or dumb things I've done, above all that, know this, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. All right? So we, we've got we've to recognize that words are powerful. Words can affect us. Words can, words can ruin us. And our words can ruin others. Our words can mess up and hurt and destroy others. One of my wife's favorite examples, we were talking about this message just last week. I was like, hey, you, you have some good examples. What's the one you tell me all the time about George Bush? So she tells me the story of George Bush. She read the book George Bush years ago. I think it was called George Bush. If I'm wrong, you can just shout it out. Was it called something besides George Bush, the book? Okay, a lot of readers in here. Thank you. Um, so she reads this book, George Bush. And uh, it tells a story from Barbara, his wife's vantage point. They're, they're on their way home from a big speech he gave, some big, big deal, lots of people. And he's like, tell me how I did. It was good, wasn't it? Do you think I did a great job? Was it awesome? It was awesome. Did I change lives? Is the world going to be better because of what I said? And so on the way home, he's asking this her right before they get to the house. And she says to him, no, it was terrible. Like something along those lines. It was bad. It was not good. He freaks out, looks at her. And drives through their garage door and into the garage. Crashes. That's the President of the United States of America. Right? Mr. Poised and calm and no one can affect me except Barbara. Right? And she recalls this story and tells this story. And she says, you know what? I learned from that day going forward. He already has his critics. He doesn't need one more. And I relate to that. So... There's, there's been many, many years that I have now been, been speaking and like leading a church or being a part of, you know, even when I was in youth ministry that I had to deliver a talk. And man, this is the, the whole talk thing. And we've got some chaplains in here right now that you know what I'm talking about and other pastors in here and other communicators in here. You know, that whole talk thing is like weighs heavy on you, right? Especially if you're in a church role because you want to pass on something you think God's calling you to say. You don't want to blow it. You want to mess up what God's trying to do? You're like, God, don't let me mess this up. Let me hide behind you. And so Christy, over the years now, has developed a system with some other pastor's wives that the scale is no, no longer a scale of 1 to 10. Because she used to give me like 4s and 5s, and I'd be like, oh my gosh. I, one time I locked myself in a basement in Atlanta. Wouldn't come out because my wife said it was like a 4. And I was like a baby for the entire day, right? So Christy deceived me. For all these last 10, 15 years, her and her friends now have a scale of 1 to 20. And I get a 10 every time. Okay? But it works. It works. I'm like, thank you, baby. It was, you, you think it was good? Baby, you were a 10. It was awesome. But I tell you, that's, that's funny. But what wasn't funny, it kind of became a laugh later on in life, but I have a memory of a ninth grade teacher who verbally, for verbatim, said, you won't amount to a whole lot in, whole lot in life. I was told that in ninth grade. Got in trouble. I was, I was, I mean, I was, I was uh, ADD before they had a knowledge of really what that was, or really what it, what it meant. Nobody, had, nobody was medicated back in my day. I probably need, needed lots. 
you know, a whole lot. Um, but I couldn't sit still. I was, I was polite. I wasn't, I, I never was like, you know, really disruptive. But I think she just got so aggravated with me. And she kept on having to like help me and like wait for me and like, you know, you know, redirect because I was always going off and like other things. And I remember her calling me out of the room. She was so frustrated that she said, you're not going to amount to anything if you don't. And she spelled something out that probably made it feel better. But I remember one thing. You're not going to amount to a whole lot. Now, fast forward many years later, I feel called to be in the ministry. And I remember getting ready to preach one of my earlier messages. And I'm like worked up and I'm nervous. And I'm like, man, I, I got to deliver the goods. And man, I got to speak on behalf of what, what God, I think he wants to say. You know what I remember? One of, what, what came to my mind in one of my earliest messages? A friend who was a pastor who was like four years older than me telling me, you know what? I've heard you speak before. You're not all that good. You probably ought to be a campus pastor, not a pastor pastor. You see how the, the words that come out of our mouths matter. I, I think it's kind of funny, and I'll just say this. This is a props for God, not for me. Years later, I got to go back to the same high school, and I got, got, got to speak at that high school because I won an award, the Student of the Year Award, 15 years later. I was like, where's she in the audience? You see me now? What up? What up, lady? You sit while I talk. Okay. No, that's not what I thought. It's close to that, but not really. And, 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 I, and I, whatever God does with, with my communication is, is all glory to Him. But, but I do remember uh, in the last few years, I, I have the privilege to speak to this church. I feel like God ordained what happened on Easter. And, and, and I, I want to thank God for however He uses me. And so I praise God for the times where, where I've said, you know what, I'm going to guard my heart. Because I know that if I let voices from my past, I know the enemy at the right time will show up and use it to destroy however He wants to mess somebody up. Our words have power to destroy. So we must Guard our hearts above all else, for it's the wellspring of life. Um, second thing is this. We have to do this. This is imperative. Um, especially as Christ followers. And if you're new to, if you're new to uh, being in a church or being a part of a, a, a scenario like this, if Christians have ever used their words negatively, I'm sorry. We are, we're human. We make mistakes. But here's something huge for us as Christ followers, especially if we follow the risen Savior who gives life and power and strength for us to live our lives out through Him and with Him. Second thing is this. We've got to speak life-giving words to others every chance we get. Not sometimes, but here's, here's the thought and goal of this. Every time you have a positive thought, you say it to somebody. If you do not say it, you are robbing someone, perhaps, of something God wants to pass on to someone else. If you think it, you better say it. If you think you, you ought to say it. How do I believe that? Ephesians 4.29 Do not let any wholesome talk come out of your mouths. Duh. We know that stings. It's painful. We know it's stupid. Right? We know it hurts. We all have stories like mine, others. But, and here's the flip side, but only what is helpful for building others up. You have the power of the, your tongue. So every morning when you wake up, men, when you see your spouse, you have a chance and an opportunity. You either build or you destroy. Women, students, every chance you come in contact with another human being, you have the strength and the ability to help or to hurt. To build up or destroy. To hinder or to move forward. That's what God is giving us for each other. This is good stuff. Speak life-giving words to others every chance we get. Can I tell you, um, week gone bad for me. 
So I'm working on this message this week, and this always happens to me. So I'm speaking on marriage. Christy and I, we fight. We have an argument. And then I have to tell you about it on Sunday because I don't know how to not say stupid things that I do. I'm speaking about this, right? And I'm at the post office this last week, and I almost go postal. I really did. Um, I'm embarrassed. And, and last hour, the guy who runs the post office said, I know who you were talking about. And I'm like, oh, it wasn't your post office. He's like, come on, man, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so I'm in the post office, and I'm about to mail, I'm about to ship something. And I've got my little box, and I've got my little slip that I cut up and made so nice. And I've got to get something else and fit it correctly. And then, you know, tape on the little thing that I got off eBay and blah, 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 because I'm selling something, right? Sold something. And so uh, I'm re- I grab a box, I'm fixing this box up, I'm folding the flop sides over, and the guy from the, from the other side of the aisle, the guy who works there is like, no, 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 you got to get the, you got the wrong box, mister. And like everyone turns around, I'm like, oh, what, which box do I get? Get the one down there with the red stripes. Well, everything's red and blue, right? It's like, and so I grab, he's like, no, 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 not that one, the other one. I grabbed that one. Like, no, 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 that one's the other one. I'm like, man, dude, I better find the right one because this guy, he's going to come unglued. I did that five times. And I'm like, golly, guys treat me like a child. I walk up to the counter and I said, thank you for treating me like a child. I was like, I just said that. <laughs> Holy cow. And I looked at him and he looked at me. He put his head down. I paid and I walked out. I will go apologize this week. But I'm like, it's... As quick as I thought it, it came out, and I just, re- I'm like, I'm a pastor. I'm going to, someone's going to know me in this post office. Oh, yeah, the guy goes to our church who runs the post office here. I'm like, I'm such a loser. And all of a sudden, you know, the flip side of that, now guard my heart. I'm an idiot, but Satan's got me all messed up. I, I, how, can I, how can I walk around and try to preach and share and be a good testimony when I just told the guy off at the post office? This is terrible. So I'm going to go apologize apologize to him this week because I feel terrible about it, and I'm telling you about it. But here's, here's the value of this, and I say that to say this. We should guard our hearts, right? For it's a wellspring of life. When you have a chance, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to make up for that with this guy. But let me tell you what people have learned because the Bible's true, and psychologists have followed suit over the years, and they've learned about psychology and this stuff. Let me read you an article. Really cool article. So it's what I read. I wrote it, wrote it down here. It's not a one-to-one ratio. One positive cannot offset a negative. They're talking about, talking about our words. One positive word cannot offset a negative. So I've got to go back several times now to fix this with this guy. Okay. Because one, he's going to think, what a rude jerk I am. He can't just come in here one time and say, I'm sorry. I've got to come back more than once. All right? So it's not a one-to-one one one ratio. One positive cannot upset one negative. Giving the example of a wife thanking her husband for helping her with a chore and then five minutes later criticizing him for not doing something. Ladies, the negative drowns out the positive. Think about this. It drowns out the positive, and, our, and it says our brain needs a higher number of positive entries to counterbalance this built-in negative or negativity bias. And listen to this. This is really cool. Several small, frequent, positive acts pack more punch than one giant positive. It's like criticizing your spouse and then, like, oh my gosh, I just kept on nitpicking, 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 and making little sly comments, and go, oh baby, you're awesome. I really, really love you. After you've, for hours, belittled, or been negative, or just had remarks that made them feel like nothing, right? So this is, this is good stuff, right? It's cool. Here's, here's, this is good. The size of the positive doesn't count. Quantity does. It's strictly a numbers game. So here, I like this. The formula researchers have uh, reportedly concluded is a ratio of two to one. I don't know if this is true, right? This is some studies, and we have one source of truth. But this is this is good information that I that ultimately all truth comes from 
comes from God's word. But listen to this. It takes two positive to offset one negative, and some believe the ratio is five to one for married couples. <laughs> I like that. That's cool. Five to one compared to normally two to one. Yeah, that's true. All right, so here's the thing. Um, I, I, um, I, I can remember seven or eight years old, my parents were in a hotel room. Um, they're in an adjoining room. We're in the next room. The door's cracked, and my parents get in an argument. It gets escalated. My dad yells and gets mad, and he goes outside, slams the door, and we're all like, oh, my gosh, my parents are fighting. And it's when that age, you're like, you thought they were perfect, right? Some of you guys are beyond that. I know. All right, but we thought our parents were perfect. And here's, here's, the, here's the value of a positive word. My dad is outside. I walked outside. And I was like, Dad, what's going on? What, 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 why are you and Matt? Am I, I'm, I'm very, I'm a, I'm a feeler, right? I'm into people. I'm into relationships. Man, I don't like that riff. Man, it hurts. What's going on? Dad, Mom, they can't be like this. They can't be like that. So I walk out there. And I'm like, Dad, you can't say that to Mom. And I'm like, are we okay? I'm like, Dad, can't you, if you really, really, really love her, can't you all just work it out? And I'll never forget this. I'm waiting for, like, you know, him mad at me because he was mad at her. And he says, it, it diffused it. I don't know how that happened. I think it was God at that moment, not me and him, but God. He said, son, you are wiser than you'll ever know. I'm sorry. And he walked back in. Listen, here's the thing. Our words carry enormous power. I was, I was seven, eight years old. All my life, I felt like God has given me a, a gift to kind of relate and understand people because of what my dad said to me. Um, we carry the ability to do that. Um, my, my stepmom uh, is probably the world's greatest at, is at, at being positive. She never says something negative. Never. And we try to make, we try, we, I antagonize to death and I can't get her to do it. And it makes me sick. And I'm like, you make me sick. And she's like, but I love you. Okay, so there is, there's so much power in this. When it comes to raising your kids, uh, when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your, all your relationships, your work relationships, this is critical. We've got to guard our hearts. And we've got to speak life every chance we get. Um, I, I, I was thinking about my kids. Some of the things we do, this is just really kind of practical. This is not a yay us. We're not the hero of this story, but we're learning from others. We take notes. We ask questions from other godly couples that have gone before us. We have several families over the years that we said, hey, you, you're, you're doing a great job with your kids. What do you do? This has always been huge. Right? We have one family that I, that I remember, they, they, they kind of always grew up with their kids playing the truth or trash game. Their kids would come home, they would tell them something about the day, hey, Johnny said I was an idiot, or I, I, I didn't run fast in the playground, and, you know, I tripped, and I got hurt, and I felt like a sissy boy, or whatever, and they would say, trash, they just, they, they would, I remember like, the siblings in the house, trash, and then the parents would say the truth, no, 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 wait a second, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, and they'd play this truth and trash game, and I'm like, that is, that is so good. And now that we've got one that's 18, one that's 15, one that's 12, we, we've tried to do this. And we're not perfect. I, again, I've had, them, I've had them laughing and crying within the same hour. Okay? We are very imperfect parents. But I'll tell you what. When you think the thought that's good, like Scripture says, trustworthy, noble. Scripture has a verse that says if things are noble, trustworthy, honorable. It says, think on these things. Hey, don't just think on them. You think it, say it. Because it takes more time saying it than it does the one negative to counterbalance that. Scripture tells us it's imperative. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but what is only helpful for building others up. Christy's a master at this with me. I, I, I have more highs and lows than Christy. Go figure. All right, she's very even kill. I'm more the, the, the people person. I'm, I'm the girl. She's the guy in the relationship. Okay? 
I just look extremely manly, okay? But she will, she will, she's a master at sending texts. In fact, in fact we're really good at texts. <clears throat> so, thought that was kind of cool, funny, no? Um, so, during the day, she will, she'll send me the amazing texts. And she always starts it with, my Murphy man. And, I, and I'm like, I could be in the midst of like a, a terrible, no good, bad day, uh, feeling down and out, and feeling like I'm not man enough to, to conquer this task, I don't know what to do, and I'll just see the beginning of it. It might have a, a verse attached to it, it might have some positive things, but she, she, she will oftentimes just say, what's up Murphy man, or my Murphy man, and all of a sudden, I, I mean, just as simple as that, I'm like, I'm the man, I got this. I am Murphy Man. I'm like, you will address me as Murphy Man from now on, right? Because Christy, she has a way of just encouraging and building others up. I've had, I've had some ladies who we've known for years, uh, like on like Christy's last birthday, they sent in some, some, uh, so, some nice notes, and we had lunch with some friends, old friends of hers. They will say, Christy, long time ago, you said something to me. And it just... I mean, it, I was destroyed in the moment. You said something to me that just like, that rang true and helped me through a real difficult time. It's, we have no earthly idea on this side of heaven. The power of our words. They really can do great damage or do amazing good. So we have to do this. We've got to, we've got to make the decision that any time and every time something good comes your way in your mind, say it. Say it. So the question is, what's your ratio with those around you right now? How you batting? What's your, what's your positive to negative ratio? Are the people around you do they feel like you're disappointed in them or you're pleased with them? People around you feel like you approve of them or you disapprove of them. Think about it. How do you think they think you're feeling towards them? Do they think you're happy with them or unhappy with them? I, I, I think, gosh, maybe that's some questions you ask of God. God, are you happy with me or unhappy? Are you disappointed with me or are you not disappointed with me? Here's the thing when it comes to God... He can't be disappointed with you. He already died on the cross for that. Right? Am I, am I right? Is that what Scripture says? Now, He doesn't want us to go out and just like, screw that, well, I'll do whatever I want to do. No, no, no. Of course, we can hurt the heart of God. We know that. But I think some of us, we have this from the enemy, lopsided view of how God views us. He views us as His children who He loves, who He gave His life for, who He will stop at nothing in pursuit to show us, I gave my life for you. You're my son. You're my daughter. As His Father sent to Him, my son who I'm well pleased. God's not disappointed with you. God wants you to draw closer to Him, to know His love, to know His grace. That's how He wants us to do with others. Third thing is this. We've got to speak life-giving words, not just to others, but to ourselves, to ourselves, and to your circumstances. Isn't that good? Not because I said it. This, I mean, this is, this is in Scripture. Mark says this, if anyone says to this mountain, here's words, Mark, like, hey, here's your words. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not, do, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen. Now, there's some theology in this that you might go, that's a little crazy sounding. Uh, and, he, and he finishes, it will be done for him. Now, I'm not like one of these prosperity, what they would say, prosperity gospel people out there. It's like, hey, if I just do a whole lot of good, I'm just going to get blessed. And I kind of make God put him like this genie bottle. If I just rub him the right way, I get whatever I want. No, no, that's not, that's not what I'm saying here. But what I am saying here, and I think Scripture wants us to leverage the truths of God's Word, God wants to leverage those for us to 
live our lives through. Uh, so, for example, uh, David and Goliath. Remember the story? You got Goliath. He's the big ogre, huge giant man. He's the mountain, right? He's the mountain. No one can move the mountain, right? He's standing there. He's shouting all sorts of terrible language and like treating them, the, the Israelite army, like they're dogs, like they're peons. They're nothing. David shows up on the scene, and I love what he says. He says, um, he says, who are you to come against the living true God? Now, everything Goliath's been doing is a lie. They aren't dogs. They aren't losers. They aren't weaklings. By themselves, maybe so. David recognizes, man, I'm, I'm walking with God. Jesus the God of the world, he's, he's on our team. Why would we shirk back when the truth of the matter is, my God is over every God. So get you some of that. We're going to come whoop your tail. And they go and they whoop their tail. Why? Because he spoke truth to the, his mountain. You tracking with me? There are truths in God's word that we've got to counterbalance against the lies. Some of you right now, you feel like, I'm a loser. I'm a loser. Scripture says, no, you're not a loser. How do we know that? Because Scripture, the truth says, no, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now that sounds so small and silly and so easy, but I've needed that many times in my life. When the task was bigger than me, when the problem was bigger than me, when I, when I felt like I was belittling myself because I just don't have the gift. I don't have the talent. I don't have the ability. No, no. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That's the truth. Let's live in that. Let's remind ourselves of that. That's guarding the heart. That's also, hey, passing that on. No, no, no. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. No, no. I, I don't. I just don't. I'm so lost. I, I don't feel like there, I have any purpose. I feel like my future looks bleak. No, no. The truth is. God says, for I know the plans I have for you. Say that with me. For I know the plans. Anyone know that one? For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to what? Prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. I mean, that's, that's really what God has for us. So if you get lost, if you get confused, you're like, God, I don't have a purpose. No, you, you do. You do. Or sometimes here, I get, I get kind of lost in, the everyday stuff. Like, God, I want to be in your will. If you'll just say it, I'll do it. But sometimes God's not said it. You're kind of like waiting on God. You're waiting on God. Anybody waiting on stuff right now? Like, God, give me, give me some clarity here. Give me some direction. I'm floundering. I feel like, I feel like you got a plan and a hope and a future for me and a purpose, but I'm just nah, I'm not there. How about, how about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll do what? Make your path straight. See, the truth of the matter is, I'm not the truth of the matter. <laughs> his ways, His thoughts are higher than my ways. So I have to, in the moments of confusion, reach up and grab an overarching truth, which is, if I acknowledge Him and everything, He'll make my path straight. Let me rest in that. Not the other stuff. So whether you're a student today, whether you're 10, whether you're 5, whether you're 50, or God knows there's no one 500 in here because we'll salute you. doesn't matter who you are. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. Some of the last words that I can recall of my mother, who I lost at age 19, were when I was 16. I was in a, I was in a, a, a track meet a conference track meet, and I was seated, this is, you, you, I, I feel like I'm bragging when I say this because I'm pretty proud of this. I was seated number one as our pole vaulter in our, in our citywide conference meet, all right? So I was all like, yeah, baby, I'm bad to the bone, right? And I got to have a bye for the first few heights of the pole vault, and I was doing... Uh, I don't know, run or uh, a long jump or a high jump or something like that. 
And so I show up when it's my time to go, and they had, they had moved the height up some, and I go, and I'm like, yeah, I'll just, I, don't, I don't have to go very high up in the pole. I'll go pretty low. I can get this. I can almost just jump this. You know, I don't know what it was. So I go over, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not thinking, and I'm, I'm holding on to the pole, and I sit on the crossbar. And I'm like, oh, how did I get here? What do I do? What do I? And I'm bouncing because I land on it. And finally, I bounce off. I'm embarrassed. There's 100-plus people sitting on the ground, other pole vaulters. I'm seated number one. I'm sure it was a wonderful, humbling moment. The guy was like, chill out, dude. You think you're too good or whatever. But my mom's sitting there. Everybody laughs. We have this on video, I promise you. I've watched it 100 times, and we've all laughed because it looks hilarious. I'm sitting on the pole. I lunge forward. I fall on the mat. It ding, 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 stays. Everybody laughs. I walk off, I feel totally demoralized. And I'm like, this is how the rest of my meet's going to go. Okay? Had a bad jump. Man, uh, maybe my steps are off today. Maybe, I, maybe I'm not able to do the pole right. I, and, I'm, and I'm all of a sudden like, I'm not going to make it to state. This is my year. I'm, I'm going I'm to fly. I was, I was expected and people are expecting. And I'm thinking, I go and sit down with my mom and she's like, hey, Remember the, I remember her words. She passed away two years later. But I remember these words. 17 years old. 16 something. She goes, you're my boy. I've seen what you can do before. Now, shut everybody up and go do what you know you can do. And now I'm 48 years old and I remember my mama said, sound like, uh, sound like, uh, Water boy. My mama, my mama, my mama said, Coca-Cola. Um, it's not my notes again, Ed. But here's the thing. Moms, dads, you speak life. Parents, we speak life. Kids, students, you speak life. Employers, employees, listen, we speak life. So here, here's the simple challenge of this week. I love the passage where it says, whatsoever things are lovely, noble, just, I can't remember the reference. It says, think on these things. I think Scripture would, would, would prove and add and, and instruct us to communicate those things. This next week, today, if you think something positive, you say it to somebody. You never, ever know when God's put you in a place for you to be an encouragement for somebody else. What if, just what if, you made the difference in someone's life today because of something you said that was positive. Guard our hearts. Let's run to the Lord for our strength, for our ultimate hope. If you have no one in your life right now, you're like, I don't have anybody speaking truth to me. I can't remember truth. I don't know God's word yet. Here's the thing. That's still okay. In your ignorance, in your inability in your lack of understanding, maybe a, a clear picture of who God is. Maybe you have a terrible picture of God. Maybe he looks just like your dad and you hear him saying terrible junk about you all the time. In your lack of understanding him, guess what? He's still able. And because of the cross, you have to recognize he still loves you. Because of his forgiveness, because of the cross, we, we recognize we're forgiven. Listen, all across the board with our deficiencies, we run when we get to a place where we find ourselves like, I don't have what it takes. There's a sweet spot in that. And it's simply that in our deficiency, God wants to show us and teach us dependency on Him. In your lack, know that He's able. So if you don't know all there is to know, that's okay. He, he, can, he can help you with that. Just run, run, to, run to your source. He wants to be your friend. Some of you today wants to be your father. Some of you today wants to give you faith to help you through the difficulty you're in. But this week, action step. Faith step this week. Even if you're scared, say it. Say it to somebody. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the, the beauty of your words. The truth of your scripture, God, let it penetrate our hearts. Let us act on what you've said.
And God, let us become who you've called us to be. And would nothing stop us? Not negativity. Not voices from our past. Not the enemy tooling things around us or trying to mess us up. God, I pray that we would live and find strength and hope in you. God, I pray that today you would give us a clearer picture about how much you love us and how much hope we have in you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for going to the cross and giving us life and hope through what you did. In your your name we pray, amen. Hey, guys, I'm going to ask you to stand up. We're going to have some guys walk through the aisles with a bucket here in just a minute. That's our, our, one, of our, one of our means and methods of taking an offering. Um, many of you guys, many of us don't give by way of well, checks or cash anymore. Most of you guys give online. But I just wanted to say something real quick. Um, normally leading up to Easter, well, we're like, church, come on, we've got, we got to get big. We've got Easter coming up, right? We've got big events, and we're constantly giving money uh, all over the place, across the seas, in, in our city locally, helping people here in our own church and throughout our city. Um, and we, we kind of like ramp up and get ready for Easter. And Easter is a huge undertaking. Um, leading up to Easter, we were a little short. So we were like on borrowed time, right? We were like, ah, oh, we got a lot of stuff to pay. And we, we didn't want on Easter to, to, to kind of really like say a whole lot. You know, Ed, Ed did the, the offering talk and close at the end. And um, we, we intentionally said, hey, like, we, we, if you're a guest, be our guest. That whole thing that we say a lot around here and we had our largest offering ever on Easter uh, and it was just awesome we, we got a new video projector through that um, we, we're, we're helping students go to summer camp we're doing a lot of cool stuff with that um, so I want to say thank you thanks some of you are never thanked many of you you give sacrificially uh, we have single moms here some of the largest givers in our church single moms teachers Largest givers in our church. Just sacrificial. And I want to say thank you. Uh, and, and if you're at a place where you want to start like, hey, I'll start trusting God with my stuff, and I don't mean to preach to you here at the end, but, man, it's a sweet place to be knowing that my stuff can be used to change somebody else's forever. And my stuff is really his stuff, so he gave it to me anyways, and it's a cool place to be. So thank you for what you do, and uh, I, I really appreciate you. Let's pray. God, use our stuff for somebody else's eternity. Leverage our talents, our gifts, our resources for somebody to come to know you. Thank you for this church. God, may we all together charge the hill and make a difference for you. And as we do that, God, shape us, grow us, change us to be more like you. In your name we pray. Amen.